0: Today I direct your attention to Psalm chapter 16 and verse 11. One verse of scripture, the psalmist writes, You will show me the path of life. And in your presence. How many are thankful for the presence of God? In your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forever." more i want to preach to you for a few moments about the gift of presence would you lift up your voice and ask jesus to talk to you one more time jesus i thank you for your presence that is in this room i thank you for your spirit that has met us here today through our worship lord you're so good to us lord i pray right now that from now until the end of this service lord i pray that somebody's life would be changed god i pray right now by your power that somebody's life would be completely transformed today by the gift of your presence and your spirit. In Jesus' name, and everyone say amen. And you can be seated in Jesus' name. Blue. It harkens back all the way to creation, the very beginning of time. In fact, you, you see it not only in the beginning of Genesis but you see it in the end of Revelation it's a thread woven through the tapestry the entire story of Christ and his people of our Lord coming to redeem this world it began in creation when the Bible lets us know the earth was without form and void darkness was upon the face of the deep but then Thank God for His presence. The presence or the Spirit of God begin to move on that nothingness. And in that moment that His presence begin to move, His voice then begin to speak. Can I tell you, it's a good thing to be in His presence. Because typically, His voice speaks in His presence. It's a good thing to get into the presence of god because many times his presence will move before his voice begins to speak and i don't know about you but there's times in my life i need his voice to speak i need to know what he has to say to me i need to know what direction to take but if i can get in his presence It started in the beginning, his presence moved on the face of those waters and then his voice began to speak and creation was released through the power of his spoken word. Can I tell you, the presence of God can still bring creation out of chaos. God's presence still to this day has the power to move into a a situation or a life that is filled with chaos and darkness and nothing. And God's presence can still bring life, new light, and creation out of chaos. It happened in the beginning of time and it still happens today. Sky begin to appear, the blue sky and the water below, land and Seas separated, heavens and earth were separated, light and darkness. God's presence moved, and when His presence moved, and when His voice speaks, the natural progression of His presence is to bring things from chaos and confusion to to creation and blessing. He moves, and creation takes place, but... If you read the narrative of God's people in the Bible, it didn't take very long for us to mess things up. (laughs) In the Garden of Eden, this perfect and utopic place that God placed man and woman, as they were living in this place that they should have had nothing but the blessing of his presence, uh, a, a, a spotless and a sinless place as uh, they're worshiping in this place, uh, daily communing with the presence of God, man messes it up. Man rebels, rebellion at the root of all sin, rebellion at the root of every tra- transgression rebellion the idea that my way is better than his way that my idea is better than his ideas you deal with this in the youngest of children it's the very root of sin and disobedience that they know better than mom mom says don't touch that hot stove and what do they do some kids you almost better not not even tell them what not to do Because that little rebellious baby inside of them is going to wake up and say, oh, not? Okay, yes. (laughs) No, right? It's in us It's our our fallen sinful state It started all the way back In the beginning of your Bible In the Garden of Eden When man fell And sin separated a holy God From an unholy man A holy righteous God From now A man that has been polluted And placed in bondage By their sin And following the narrative Of God's people From Genesis into Exodus You find that sin Always leads to bondage hear me sin will promise you freedom but it will always lead to slavery sin will promise you liberty and life but it'll always lead to bondage and death sin never set anyone free only jesus can set you free I said, sin never set anybody free. When you try to do it your way, when you go against God's way, sin promises freedom, but sin will never set you free. Sin will only plunge you deeper into bondage and depression and despair. And for generations the people of God were separated from the very presence, the perfect presence that God had created them to walk in in the garden. To daily, somebody shout daily, to daily walk in his presence because his presence was not meant to be a once a week deal. His presence was not meant to be something you only encounter at the sanctuary at 10 a.m. on Sunday morning. No, no, no. His presence was meant to be a daily interaction and encounter. But why don't we experience it every day? Sin. Sin separates us from God. Sin separates us from His presence. Sin causes us to walk in condemnation and pain and bondage and judgment. It causes us to go by our own way, by our own ideas, by uh, living life through our own means and devices. And the people of God were no different. They walked by their own way and failure and chaos came upon the earth. Bondage came upon God's people. Spiritual bondage came in the garden. But it it wasn't very long in the narrative of Scripture that you read that God's people were in bondage in Egypt. They were bound by Pharaoh and his taskmasters. They were enslaved because that's what sin does. It puts you in very real chains of spiritual bondage. They were in Egypt, but thank God there was a plan. Thank God, that there was a way and there was and is a way to escape the bondage of Egypt. They were in bondage in Egypt and God sent them a deliverer. God sent them a deliverer to bring them out of their slavery. I'm so thankful for the grace of God. I'm so thankful that he is rich in mercy. If you think about it. God could have just wiped his hands and said, They messed up. I gave them perfection and they polluted it. I gave them utopia and they abandoned it. Aren't you thankful? That he didn't wipe his hands and, and snap his fingers and start all over again. I'm happy to report to you that the grace and the mercy of God is still reaching to restore. It's still reaching to make all things new. He sent a deliverer to them in their chaos and in their mess. And they were delivered out of Egypt. They came out of Egypt, out of bondage, out of slavery. They passed through the water of the Red Sea. They walked through on dry ground. Can I tell you, God still delivers through the water. It started in Egypt, but water is still a part of your deliverance. When you're baptized in Jesus' name, and the name of Jesus is called over your life, all of your sins are washed away, and you rise to walk in the newness of life. You can't do that for yourself, but there is a deliverer that can set you free you've never been baptized in Jesus name I know we talked about it earlier in the service but we've got changing rooms and robes you can go home in your dry clothes we got nice warm water right there behind this screen we'd love to baptize you in Jesus name so that the bondage of sin can fall off of your life forever God set them free from Egypt he released them from bondage but watch this there was still no means to engage his presence that presence that had been had its fellowship broken in the Garden of Eden, that presence uh, that they had been separated from Adam and Eve in the garden, there were still no means yet uh, to get back into his presence. Uh, but I'm happy to tell you that God made a way. God made a way. He gave them very detailed instructions after they came through Egypt and went into the wilderness. Went into the wilderness, freed from Egyptian slavery. God gave them very detailed plans for a tabernacle, a tent of meeting. That they would build in the wilderness a temporary structure that would be put together with intricate detail. Every minute detail would be orchestrated and commanded By God. There was nothing left to their creativity. There was nothing left to their imagination. What does that mean for us? You can't approach God your way. You're not God. The day you wake up and you're God, you approach yourself however you want to. But until you're God, He gets to set the rules of how you approach Him. I'm sorry if that hurts anybody's theological feelings but you don't get to just come to God any way you want to what are you saying pastor You, you said he takes sinners and he takes, you're right he takes sinners and broken people but if you want to be free to walk in his presence if you want to be set free from sin you can't get free any old way you want to you've got to come the way he says you've got to come You gotta come the Bible way. He gives them intricate detail. In fact, over 50 chapters are dedicated to the detail of this temporary tent uh, that they would take with them in the wilderness, uh, the path and the plan and the approach uh, to God's presence As they would walk into this tent of meeting Without spending an extensive amount of time In every detail As they would walk into this tent of meeting One of the primary colors That was draped over every piece of furniture Was the color blue One of the primary colors That would be a tablecloth Using modern vernacular That would be involved in the lampstand And the laver And the various instruments The altar The various instruments of In that tabernacle was draped with the color blue when they would pack it up, they would cover it with a blue cloth hearkening what what is it what is the significance? It hearkened all the way back. it pointed back to the beginning back to the beginning when everything was perfect and everything was utopic and god 's presence was walking with man blue was symbolic of his Presence, But not just the pieces of furniture sat on and being draped with a blue cloth. But the Bible lets us know that there were specific instructions given to them. Very detailed instructions as they were to approach the most holy place. The most inner chamber of that tent of meeting, that place of worship. The place that was so holy. The place where the Ark of the Covenant dwelt. The Ark of the Covenant. Where the mercy seat, solid gold, was laid. Two angels, two cherubs would stand guarding that mercy seat. That Ark of the Covenant put in this place that could only be accessed one time a year by one particular individual, the high priest. Only the high priest once a year could go into that holy place. What was in that holy place, it was there that he would atone for the sins of fallen mankind. It was there that he would sprinkle blood upon that mercy seat. And God's presence would meet man's need. And where God's presence met man's need, that place was called mercy. Where God's presence met man's need. Mercy would be given and God's presence would fill that room. In fact, they would tie a cord around the priest's ankle so that if anything went wrong, if anything went awry, they could pull him back out of there because the presence of God was so reverent. Not just anyone could go through this veil, this heavy veil thick material veil that was covering the most holy place. You know what color the Bible says that veil was? Blue. Second Chronicles, Exodus 26, Exodus 36 tells us specifically that this garment was dyed the color blue, this veil. Why? Because it was the separation between heaven and earth. It was symbolic of the, the presence of God, the atmosphere, the separation between where man lived and where God dwelt. It symbolized the separation that came in the garden from where a sinful man was separated from a holy God, only one time a year and only one man on earth, the high priest could enter that place, go through that blue curtain, the veil, into the most holy place. Only the high priest could go through that blue veil into God's holy place presence, angels guarding that place, uh, specific sets of rules and approach instructions for going into that holy place uh, where the majesty of God would be encountered, where the holiness of God would be experienced, uh, where the presence of God would make all things new, uh, hear me today. All the way to the New Testament, they only had one way to encounter the presence of God only one person that could truly encounter his presence can you imagine can you imagine in today's understanding that you couldn't feel god's presence on a sunday morning however you describe it i've heard it described hundreds probably thousands of ways over the years i felt goosebumps when God's begin to move in, in the service, I, f- I felt warm. I've heard people say, I felt chilled up my spine. I felt warm down my spine. However you describe it, how many know what it's like to feel the presence of God? Can you imagine, though, that you couldn't experience the presence of God ever? What happened between the old and the new? What happened between that way And this way, there is no mistake here today. We have all encountered the presence of God. His presence is in this room. When we sing the songs of Zion, when we lift our hands and clap our hands, we feel His presence presence in fact that's what keeps some folks coming to church uh, before some folks even have a solid biblical belief system in their life Uh, they come because they feel something unique Uh, they feel something different Uh, they feel something that is transformational something uh, that is life changing what is uh, what is it what changed from the old to new Uh, I'll tell you what changed that is a baby was born in Bethlehem uh, because it was never God ultimate plan uh, that only one man experience his presence uh, one time a year. Uh, But a baby was born uh, in the little town of Bethlehem. Uh, The Christ was born. Uh, What we celebrate this time of year, Jesus was born to become the mediator between God and man. Jesus was born that you and I could have access to that holy place of His presence. Jesus was born that you and I would not be outsiders looking in, but we would be insiders with our own experience. Jesus was born that you and I could have restored access to His presence all the way back in the garden, that same presence from all the way back in the garden. I wish somebody would just lift up your voice and thank him for his presence today. I wish somebody would just clap your hands for a moment and say, Lord, I thank you for your presence. Hallelujah. 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 I preached last week uh, that red is for redemption and I'm telling you he was born not to live but Jesus was born to die. He was born that he might die for your sins and for mine. I celebrate the color blue today. The gift of presence uh, that's symbolic of this baby being born uh, so that you and I can have access to his presence. This baby that was born to die he lived uh, and at some 33 and a half years old They led him with a cross To a place called Calvary Golgotha the hill The place of death The place of the skull And there they nailed him to that tree They crucified him Put a crown of thorns on his head Put a spear through his side And when he died When Jesus gave up the ghost When his life left his body The Bible says What had been years of ritual, tradition, process, and procedure instituted by God Himself. When Jesus died, when He gave up the ghost. On that cross, when he said, Eli, Eli, Lama it is finished. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? When he gave up the ghost on that cross, when he drew his last breath the bible says the sky turned black and the earth began to shake but in the midst of all of that chaos if you can journey down to the temple with me where that veil was still covering the holy place when Jesus died the veil of that temple was ripped from top to bottom Why? So that you and I could now have access to the most holy place of His presence. That veil was ripped from top to bottom. Not bottom to top as if it was something that man had done. But from top to bottom as God was saying, this is my sacrifice and this is your path into my presence. Woo! Oh, I feel his spirit here today. I feel his presence here today. I'm preaching to you that Jesus Christ Theologically Jesus Christ not only tore that blue veil Jesus Christ became that blue veil That was torn Jesus Christ didn't just tear the veil He was the veil The writer of Hebrews says Therefore having boldness Let us enter into the holiest By the blood of Jesus By a new and living way Which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh brothers and sisters when his flesh was torn that veil was ripped wide open that you and I could have access through his shed blood that you and I could have access to his grace his mercy and his presence oh I wish somebody just thank him right now I feel his presence here today oh hallelujah hallelujah Oh, somebody ought to just entertain his presence for just a moment. I thank you for your presence, Lord. I thank you for your presence, Lord. I thank you for your presence, Lord. He said, now you have access to the most holy place. When that blue veil was torn, hear me, when his red blood was shed, that blue veil was torn. And when that red blood was shed and the blue veil was torn, you and I, every one of us, rich and poor, black and white, from every tribe, nation, people, and tongue, we have access now into the place that we lost at the beginning. We have access into the most holy place. Of his presence. I feel the Holy Ghost here today. We have access. We have access. Hear me. This is not a, a sanctuary, quad cities thing. This is not a Pentecostal thing. This is a Bible thing. I'm not trying to be mean or ugly, but if churches are out there telling you or preachers are out there telling you that his presence isn't really like that and it's not really for you and that's something tucked back away in the Bible, they're lying to you. I, I don't mean to hurt. I'm not trying to be politically correct, That never has been my goal, never will be my goal. I'm going to preach the truth of God's word. And the truth of God's word is uh, the very presence that some people are afraid of uh, is the very thing that God designed you to walk in uh, every day of your life. The very presence of God uh, that some people don't know what to do with uh, is the very thing that God designed you to live in, to dwell in, uh, to walk in. We got a lot of other resources. I wonder I wonder how our lives could change if instead of calling the lawyer first call, we just called on his presence. I wonder how our lives would be different if when it went wrong, instead of making the doctor, would be the first call. Oh, I lost everybody now. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm preaching old-fashioned now. I wonder how, how things could. I'm not saying we don't need doctors. I'm not saying we don't need lawyers. That's not what I'm preaching at all. Don't misquote me. If you do, that's between you and Jesus, okay? That'd be a terrible thing to go to hell for, okay? Don't lie on the preacher. <laughs> Hear me. What, what if instead of the doctor being our first call, what if we said, Lord, we need your presence here right now? Oh, my, 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 my. My, my, I've been placed in the world. I remember preaching in Ethiopia about 20 years ago, and I remember a child being very, very sick, and, and, and they just begin to pray. And I asked, are they taking this child to the doctor? And they looked at me like I was from Mars. Doctor, what's that? We, we can't go to the doctor. They don't even have a doctor to go to. Never even been to a doctor. He said, oh, pastor. He said, you Americans. <laughs> We're blessed. We don't need his presence sometimes. Because we got the phone number of the doctor. We got the phone number of the lawyer. We got the phone number of the counselor. We got the phone number of the... I'm sorry, am I messing in your business out? We got the phone number for everybody. We got the real estate agent. We got the banker. We got everybody. But what if we just got back to the beginning where he said, listen... In my presence, uh, there is fullness of joy. Oh man, I know I'm, I'm, I'm ruffling some feathers now. Hear me. I'm not preaching not to take your kid to the doctor. Go to the doctor. You're sick. God's given the doctors the wisdom. God's given us medical technology. God's that's all. We look at all of that as a blessing from God as well. I'm just preaching that I wonder. I'm asking a question. I wonder what could happen in your life in 2024 if we get back to his presence and say before I turn to anybody else before I call my friend, before I gossip on Facebook, before I do anything else, I'm going to seek the presence of the Lord. I'm going to get into his... My, 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 my. You see, from our world's perspective, I'm hurrying, I'm hurrying. From our world's perspective, a, a, a blue Christmas means something totally different. From our world's perspective, Elvis had his take on a blue, blue Christmas. Without whatever. See our our world has a, a, a different perspective. You know why? You know why? Because our world is looking at the complexities of life uh, through an earthly lens. And when you look everybody's got a complex life. I've heard people say, Well, I was busy. Oh, and they say it like they're the only ones. Yeah, everybody. I was busy. Oh, yeah, I'm I'm glad. Man, none of the rest of us are. Life is complicated, and they act like their life's the only one complicated. How many got complications in your life sometimes? Okay. All right, if you didn't raise your hand, you're either asleep, and I invite you to wake up for the conclusion of the service, or I want you just to shake my hand so that some of your mojo rubs off on me. Okay, I need that juju in my life. All right? I it, it, we all got complicated lives. Elvis said it's a blue, blue Christmas. Uh, you know why? That's that's how that's how humanistic thinking goes. Because I'm looking at the complexities of my life uh, from human understanding, and that is depressing. And that is discouraging. And that will leave you feeling blue. Woo. <laughs> When friends and family do this and it doesn't work out like that and the finances are tough and the baby's sick and we lose a job and cancer is the diagnosis and the deal doesn't work out and the the plan doesn't come together and, and, and we're looking at life through an earthly lens. We have reason to be blue. We have reason to be depressed by this world's standards. But I'm talking about getting a heavenly perspective on life. I'm preaching about not looking at your life uh, when you leave this place uh, from an earthly lens, uh, but looking at your life through a heavenly lens. uh, Because when I pass through the veil of His presence, woo. That's why John, John the Revelator, God said, John, I want you to look at things a little differently. And Revelation chapter 4, here's what the Bible says. Watch this. He said, immediately, I was in the Spirit. God looked at John. He said, I want you to come up here. I want you to see things from a heavenly perspective because it's a different shade of blue, honey. It's a different shade altogether. And John said this, when I went from an earthly perspective, to a heavenly perspective. Immediately, I was in the Spirit. I was in God's presence. And I saw a throne was sat in heaven and one sat upon that throne. John had a door open into the heavenlies. And when he stepped through that blue veil into the presence of God, he said, I see it all clear now. There is one Lord. There is one God. There is one power. What are you seeing, John? It may look like God is absent down here. But when you get a heavenly perspective, when you get into his presence, you see that God is still in charge. He's still in control. He hasn't fallen off his rocker. He's not fallen off the throne. God is still God. He's still Lord of all. Hear me when I tell you that when you pass through the veil into his presence when you pass through the veil into his presence life looks a little differently your perspective changes when I get into his presence what do you think the psalmist said when I looked at the prosperity of the wicked he said I got discouraged summary the psalmist was looking at all the junk going on around him and he got discouraged anybody ever get discouraged looking at what's going on in our world but he said, then I went into the sanctuary. I went into the place of meeting. I went into the place of God's presence. And when I got in the place of his presence, my eyes were opened. I didn't just see the here and now. I didn't have a Elvis blue Christmas. When I see from a heavenly perspective... I'm having a Jesus blue Christmas I'm having a veil torn I have access blue Christmas I hope you never hear that song the same way again every time it comes on the radio or your Christmas playlist I hope you never hear it the same way you think of this word every single time I'm not going to have a a Christmas from an earthly perspective I'm not going to live from an earthly perspective stand together with me. The kings of this earth, they rise and fall. The kings of this earth, they are set up and they are taken down. The kings of this earth, the rulers of our world are elected and overthrown. They're appointed and overpowered. That's discouraging all in itself. But can I tell you about the king of kings today? He's not elected. He's not appointed Nobody's voting him in And nobody's voting him out John said when I got above the plane of the earthly And I got into that heavenly presence I saw things a little differently I saw that there was one sitting on the throne And his name was Jesus His name is Jesus brothers and sisters hear me when you step through the veil and you experience his presence do you know that's what the church is supposed to be do you know Isaiah prophetically wrote about what would happen not only in heaven but what God's people would do in this earth that the blue from heaven was going to start coming through the veil The veil was ripped. How does the blue, how does the presence get out of the holy place? How does his presence go from some heavenly place up in that blue sky down to what you're dealing with on Tuesday at the doctor's office? You know how it does? Because I can be filled with his presence. And then, his presence is not just somewhere that I go. 1501 John Deere Parkway. His presence is something that goes with me. His presence is something that walks into the doctor's office with me. His presence is something that goes into the attorney's office. His presence is something when I'm on my knees at the bedside and I'm praying, God, I don't know what to do with my kids. His presence is there with you because He is blueing this earth through His presence. That's what happened that's why Isaiah said there's going to be a place uh, where the wolf uh, and the lamb lie down together what's that place? that's the place of his presence uh, there's going to be the place uh, where the lion is no longer a carnivore but the lion is just eating the grass of the field what's that place? that's the place Isaiah was prophesying about where his presence would be can I tell you that is the picture of heaven but that's also the picture of the church Oh man, I, 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 I gotta I, I'm done. I'm done here. Yeah. The church is the place where no matter what your background, what your walk of life is, ready? No matter who you voted for or who you gonna vote for. Crickets. The church is the place. Where Isaiah said the wolf and the sheep? His presence is the place where the lion and the lamb lie down together. The church is the place were raised like this and you were raised like that and you were told this and you were told that but the church is the place that we come together under the authority of his word and together we pass through the veil that blue veil of his presence and when we walk into his presence none of that other stuff really matters anymore because we're in his presence and what is our job? our job is that we are literally blueing the earth we are to take his presence with us into our job and we're to take his presence with us uh, into the grocery store uh, and we're to take his presence with us uh, when we leave the house and go in the neighborhood uh, and when we go to school his presence how is this earth going to experience his presence Uh, it's going to experience his presence by you and you and you and me because we go through the veil and we take what we find there with us in his presence In his presence is fullness of joy. Every head bowed, every eye closed, every voice raised. I'm here preaching to you today simply this. That his presence is the greatest present that you could receive this Christmas season. His presence is the greatest present that you could have in your life. And you receive it when you step through that veil of his flesh. His flesh that was torn. His body that was broken. His blood that was shed. His blood was shed to forgive you of your sin. His blood was shed so that you could have access to that holy place. His blood was shed so that you didn't have to figure it out on your own. So I'm preaching to somebody. If this Christmas season has already been a struggle, I'm preaching, I'm reaching for somebody here. If you're going through some stuff you don't know how to get out of, if you're walking through a season that you're not sure where it's going to end, I'm telling you, take time this morning to make a trip to this altar and let yourself pass through that veil and say, Lord, I need your presence to go with me. I need this Christmas season the gift of your presence. His presence is here and he wants to fill every heart in every life if you've never experienced the power of his presence if you've never repented of your sins he'll forgive you in a moment of time today this altar's open if you've never been filled with the gift of the Holy Spirit the gift of the Holy Ghost with the Bible evidence of speaking with other tongues you can receive that today before you leave all you've got to do is step out of where you're at or lift up your voice lift up your hands and say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. I want what you have for my life. Come on, let's get in.